everyone. It's Melissa. Welcome back to another episode of the Social Angle Podcast. As always, I'm really glad that you're here. So for this week's episode, we're talking about social media analytics, what metrics you should be using to measure the success of your social media marketing strategy, what insights you should be tracking that you can take back to your team or that you can use to inform business decisions that you make in your company for your brand, or what are some of the ways uh, that you can harness tools, whether they're natively through social media platforms or maybe ones that you should invest in to get better insights about your customers, um, their interests, your products and services. So this is a really cool episode. Our guest this week is Daniel Gardner, who works at GSK, and he is in this really neat hybrid role um, that combines data, market research, and social media. So he's a lead data analysis for social intelligence for GSK. So let's get into this fun conversation that I had with Daniel. I'm sure you guys are going to love it. Hey, Daniel. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Social Angle. I'm so excited that you're here with me. Me too, Melissa. It's great to be here. Yeah. I was so excited when you said yes, because I feel like we haven't done an episode that's really gone in depth for social media analytics. And mm-hmm. when I met you last year through our co-mentoring program, through Social Media Day Philly, I was like, I got to talk to this kid because I know that he'll be a wealth of knowledge. So I'm really excited for you to share our insights to our audience. So you ready to get started? Yeah, let's do it. And it's great to meet you too, Melissa. I think that, you know, that, that co-mentoring program, that's exactly what we're looking to take away from it. So I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, me too. All right. So your role is really interesting to me. I know you work at GSK, but you are currently in kind of a a hybrid role I've never heard of until meeting you, um, which is a lead data analyst, social intelligence. So how did you get started in that field? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it really all started coming out of college. And it was just one of those things that I almost fell into accidentally. Uh, I, I studied economics in undergrad. And, you know, I think while I liked it and I thought I was decent at it, um, it just, I I think (laughs) when you look at some of the other industries and fields you could go into, it just wasn't as interesting. Right. And I think, you know, coming out of college, you know, I knew I had this interest in programming and and data and analytics. And so, you know, I think with my experience kind of thought, okay, well, what, what are these, you know, high potential and high value industries to be in within technology? And analytics was one of them. And in healthcare. And so that's where I started with a company called W2O, okay. where you know they're, they're an integrated marketing communications agency. And the office I was in and the team I was part of was basically dedicated to running all the social listening for Fortune 500 pharma clients. And that was kind of my foot in the door to what this whole world is and what ultimately became the job that I'm in today. And I think you know learning about all the different facets of data and what's accessible to us and what these different platforms offer and what client needs are. And now being a client myself, you know, understanding what it's like to be on both sides of the aisle. And I think just all of this experience looking back has, has really helped inform and, and drive the strategy and the decisions that I make in my day to day. And so you're absolutely right. You know, it's, it's very much an emerging position an emerging field. And I kind of find myself at the intersection of a few different fields. That's, you know, market research, that's social yeah. media, and that's you know analytics and you know big data and information technology. So I think there those are three very very broad umbrellas, and the fact that I get to kind of sit at the intersection of them is so exciting to me. And, and I think like it's it's one of those newer roles where you know I'm not the person behind the handle responding to people, but uh, you know I think I use a lot of the same data. I'm familiar with a lot of the same platforms. I'm on social media myself. You know so I've been an avid user since I was on social media in high school. Uh, at which point it was still a relatively new thing. You look back to like 2007, 2008, where, you know, that was kind of the rise of, of Facebook. Right. And I remember just as a user, I mean, like that, you would spend so many hours on this platform. And just to think of the evolution of what these different platforms have been, the introduction of, of a platform like Vine, right, and Snapchat, right, you start to see, you know, these different branches of what social media is and that it blossomed into such a huge field with so many different players. I think that's what makes this field so exciting, uh, especially in social media. And I think like that's where I've tried to really lean in is that I didn't come from a marketing or comms or or media background. I really don't know much about 
uh, you know, social media in the traditional sense. But I think I just naturally kind of learned more about it and kind of sought out these different areas under the social media umbrella because it's not as focused as, you know, saying run the analytics, right? Or it's not as, it's not as market research oriented, right? It still benefits me to know how, you know, different local campaigns work and, you know, how targeting works and, right, and all these different things that other social media professionals would use. And so that's kind of the role I have, right? It's kind of this, uh, you know, just multifaceted, you know, role and, and constantly evolving. You know, I solve different challenges and problems every day. And it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, we have a lot of brands here and then GSK is, you know, you know, we're really leaning into being a data-driven company. And I think when we look at the different data sources, social media is a big one. I think that's awesome. And I think honestly, for somebody I know we had talked before, you sound like you're somebody who likes variety. And I think that's always the end goal for somebody who's trying to cultivate a long lasting career, right? Like we just don't want a job where we clock in every day and we do the same thing. We want to be able to grow and evolve professionally. So to have so many different industries kind of like at your fingertips in one role, I'm sure that that's really exciting for you. But you talked about some of your core responsibilities, but for people who still maybe are having trouble grasping the more day-to-day, what kind of tasks or core responsibilities do you have in that role that are helping your company? Yeah, good question. And I think that's also one of the questions that if you asked me a year ago, uh, you know, it would have been a lot different. I feel like I still give the same answer sometimes is that, you know, my duties are constantly evolving. It's never, you know, the same thing every day. But I would say like, as we've kind of come into what I call phase two of what social intelligence is here at DSK, you know, we're starting to automate a lot of these different things that we hadn't prioritized, you know, in the first year that we started the program. And so that, you know, when you think about that in my day to day, there's typically a lot of alerts that are standardized that basically get put out to me in email. Okay. And I think it's just basic due diligence, right? You know, it's understanding what people are saying about your brands, the volume of which people are talking about your brands, who's talking about your brands, right? And so we have 25, 26 brands here in the U.S. That, that's wow. a lot, um, you know, and I think we have a lot of, um, you know, influence in the market and in people's households. And that's a really powerful thing. And so the oversight that I have is of all of them, right? I have to have some kind of basic level of insight into what these different trends are for all our different brands. Okay. And, that, and that's really difficult to do. And so that's why we're exploring through a lot of these social media technology companies, uh, how we can better standardize and stay up to date on different topics and trends. And so that's just, you know, basic due diligence is that, you know, I'm constantly reading things. I'll be on a lot of these platforms natively too, <laughs> reading through a lot of, a lot of verbatims. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's one of those, it's one of those, <laughs> I don't want to say dream job. I mean, it feels like a dream job, but you know, when you, when you're in high school and you think, oh, you know, I wish I could get paid to do like social media and like scroll through, you know, social media, part of my job, that's, that, that's what it is. Um, but then again, more, more seriously, right. There's different business questions we're trying to answer, right. If, if one of my colleagues, you know, on a certain brand has a question about that brand, how it's performing, right. Based on whatever KPIs we have set. Uh, and typically it's, something that's happening offline. So if we're running a promotion or we've come out with a new product line, right, they want to see how that's, how that's resonating online. Are people talking about it organically, right? We put out paid media. Are people responding to that? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so that's typically where someone will come to me unsolicited and like it's not planned in my calendar where mm-hmm. someone will say, hey, Danny, can you, can, can you go look at this? Um, you know, we just have questions based on X, Y, and Z that we're, that we're running within our team. Um, you know, so that's, again, we get a lot of those, a lot of ad hoc requests. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there's different campaigns that we kind of start, you know, that, that will run for a month or maybe a few months. And we're involved in the pre-planning process, you know, whether it's setting up the different searches we need, right, right, the different indicators. Every brand is a little different. They look at slightly different things. Right. But at its core, you know, the way that we search for that information on social media is through a tool and it's through me. So that's where, you know, I'll be involved in meetings and, you know, kind of basically planning out what we need to do, what we need to look at, and then structuring all the data and the querying and the searches and all the different assets that we use within our tool, which takes, you know, expertise to be able to go in and make sure we're looking at the right things. And, you know, when we're putting a lot of different inputs in, it can get confusing. Yeah. And, you know, it becomes really, really confusing. And so that's where I think, you know, a lot of folks in the commercial organization look to me and say, hey, you know, Danny, you, you see this every day, you know, the tool, you manage the tool, what can you do to help us? 
Right. And so that's just an, you know, an example of where, you know, I, I be put on my researcher hat, right. And, and I start crunching numbers and doing some crazy things behind the scenes so that we can pull in all this information accurately and as quickly as possible. That's so awesome. And I think it's so cool because honestly, like you're in a hybrid role that I hope continues to grow because I feel like the question that I always get asked, Vin always gets asked, or in my previous positions in social media, it's being able to um, justify like the ROI behind your social strategy. So like you're coming in from the way you've described it to me is like you've done an offline promotion, right? So you're trying to measure like the sentiment, the mentions, who's talking about you, like what's the success? So it's like you guys are kind of that ear to the ground to your consumers, you know, and depending on how you've set up that campaign, you're going back to see like the success of that campaign with your other marketing tactics. So I think that's really cool. Like there's a structure in place at your company that is using social media to measure other marketing, but also to show how valuable social media overall is from a listening and monitoring perspective on your customers, right? Because there's so much information out there on social media, you know, mm. that's accessible to you as a marketer that you can use to make better business decisions. So I like that your company, you know, is at the forefront of doing that and sees the value in hiring somebody like you, because I think they'll, again, like we've both said, there'll be that demand, that need as we move forward. And as people continue to rely on social, they'll be like, well, we need more people like Daniel. So that being said, um, is there any tactics or strategies that you would recommend to our audience? Um, you know, it's a much smaller scale for them as suppliers and distributors that they can use to measure the ROI of their social media efforts? Like, is there any key metrics that you think people should always be looking at? Um, or, or do you think it is more individualized to the company? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. I think you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. You know, major enterprises like us here at GSK, mm. you know, we, we face a lot of the same problems. And that's where I, I find myself socializing with a lot of other you know, big brands just because they face a lot of the same issues. But, you know, when you think about this for any social media professional, right, and if you're, a, you know, a freelancer, a consultant, or you're, maybe you're running your own business, a lot of these social media companies provide better native digital analytics than they did when they first started. And I'm talking about, you know, back to 2008, 2009, and I was still in, I don't know, I guess that was middle school. You know, <laughs> so I wasn't, I wasn't as hands-on, and I had very limited knowledge of what was going on in the back end. But for what I could understand, or from what I know, it was very bare bones relative to what it is now. Yeah. So that you start to see the emergence of, um, you know, ads managers, right? There are ad, ad, man, ads managers within all of these different platforms that let you push your content better, manage it, engage with your consumers. Right, so if you're running a small brand, a lot of this kind of comes along with the, the very, very low barrier to entry to setting up a page, right? And you kind of just get all these analytics bundled with it. Right. Uh, and Ads managers, you know, help you run promotional content, right? They help you with, with paid media. Mm -hmm. And so that's where you see a lot of you know, smaller brands and smaller companies, like that's how they get, no that's how they get noticed. That's how they build awareness. And a lot of these different companies, you know, will provide you again, these, these very, very core metrics. So when you're looking at your brand kind of in a, in a silo versus me, that's looking at, you know, top level data for 26 brands. Um, you know, it's just a little different, right? Now you can look, you have more insight into the different audience base that, that, that you have, your audience demographics. Uh, you know, you have oversight of your own engagements. Just, just the way that you like and interact with a post that represents, you know, commentary from your company has changed, right? There's different ways to share it. And with the introduction, I'm not sure how long ago this was, but they changed. You used to be only able to like and, and like thumbs up content and they they eventually changed that to uh to emojis um or what they now call reactions yep so that's happy or love or support like there's all these different things and so that tells a different story on its own too and not only as a user but when you're an analyst or you're a business owner and you're you're basically looking at these different metrics so what does that mean right people now have the option to react and it gives you some more insight into the emotion and sentiment behind why they make that decision some people just kind of inadvertently hit the like, and, and that's it. And you kind of take that for face value. Right. But that's, that's one of many examples where you've seen the evolution of a social media evolve based on the needs of their consumers and what they've seen. It's just a better experience for people to come in and say, hey, you know, I really like this. It's more than just a like, it's a love.
Or you look at another social media like Twitter, which we use heavily here uh, in social intelligence world. Right. Uh, you, know, you know, Twitter, I think, has undergone a, a lot of change over the past few years. And, you know, we're obviously all very familiar with uh, President Trump's activity on the platform and how he, in many ways, became one of these influencers and got people involved in politics and, and online. And I think it was just that much easier for people to understand that, hey, Twitter's a different format than what Facebook is. And so if I'm a small business and I'm thinking about that, that might actually be better and more efficient for me to engage with my consumers, right? It's a different demographic. People are coming onto this platform for different reasons. They're seeking news, whereas you know, you're talking to your aunt and uncle on Facebook, right? There's just different things you do with the platforms. And similar to Facebook, there's different ways you can engage on Twitter, right? And there's been a lot of these different changes, small and, and sometimes um, you know, just, just uh, temporary changes. Right. I'll give you an example. We use President Trump again, um, where they actually imposed different rules on quote tweeting and, and reading different content with the introduction of COVID. For, for a short while, they wouldn't let you quote tweet or retweet anything without reading and clicking on the article URL itself. And so you see all these different changes. And so that's just kind of the oversight I have. But I think it's equally as beneficial for those when you think about you know, running your own business and running your own handles. There's just all these small little changes that help um, you, you measure ROI to help you measure performance, right? That's what you're looking at. Really, really surface level data that gives you insight into, hey, this brand you know, that, that I own is performing better than this other brand, right? There's some really easy, quick win and quick hit metrics you can look at that you that I feel like are very, very easy to understand without yeah. having to go through all this training to understand. I'll look back to the ads managers again, where you need to understand, you know, all the cost pers, right? Cost per click, cost per thousand impressions, yep. cost per engagement, right? There's all these different things that you'd want to look at there because you're putting money into it. And so they're, they basically just become different ratios you'd want to look at. And that's another measure of performance, right? If I'm a small business or I'm a, you know, just a freelancer running one brand, uh, you know, I'm only looking at this in, in a silo. And I obviously want to maximize my ROI, right? right? For every dollar I put in, I want to make sure that I'm getting a worthwhile impression, a worthwhile engagement, right? And then when I look at it in that context, which, which content is, is doing better, right? Is it something that I put a picture in? Is it something that where, I, where I used a meme or a GIF? Right? There's all these other different things that start to ladder up into what your strategy is when you're designing a brand and building it online. I like that. And just to kind of, because you put so many good gems in that. So firstly, kind of like to summarize for our audience, because um, I want to talk to you about like scaling from midsize to large business, right? Because I think a lot of what you previously just spoke about is like, if you're a like, for example, if you're a smaller distributor who's making, you know, maybe 500,000 plus and it's just you and another person and maybe an admin running your business, you can look like just because, you know, they're maybe new to using social media marketing, you know, um, because I think that's sometimes a barrier for some people in our industry is they feel new yeah. or they feel overwhelmed and they can't necessarily hire out a contractor or they don't have the money uh, or the expertise to know how to hire somebody like you, right? Like they just don't know if it should be somebody like you, should it be somebody who's in a more generalist role? Like they're kind of unsure. So it's kind of falling to them. They're still doing that legwork. So you can get, like you're saying, um, proof of ROI for your social media strategy off these surface level like analytics, like, like you said, like sentiments, like likes, you know, happy, like I care, you know, claps, like for LinkedIn, things like that. But also <clears throat> if you're starting to invest in paid tactics, um, like whether you're doing uh, promoted tweets or you're doing a full blown Facebook ad or you're boosted a, an article from your website, you know, you have even further like more in detailed metrics that you can use for the amount of money that you spent. And just because again, like there's not somebody dedicated in that role that's mining all that data, you can still take time out of your week as a professional to look through that information to make better decisions about like seeing those patterns, right? Like, hey, we've done this campaign and I've noticed the trend is we've did a similar campaign and it was 
this type of sentiment and emotion that we're trying to inspire in our audience? You know, why does that spark interest in them? They're the most engaged. And how does that reflect on the products that we're pitching mm-hmm. or the way that we show up as our company or the way that we provide customer service? So it's like, again, you don't have to spend a lot of money or necessarily have somebody in that role in order to utilize what these platforms are giving you, which is a lot of really robust information. Like every once in a while, like mm-hmm. we pay for a... Um, a probably mid-sized tool, Agora Pulse, I think it's, provides some pretty good information. Um, it's probably not as good as like Meltwater or some of the other ones that are specifically like robust for, for data mining on social media, but it's been very helpful for me in the last year and a half that I've been in my role in regards to how fluid I am with my strategy. And I'm going in weekly, um, I'm going in per campaign, I'm going in mm-hmm. monthly to kind of see all the trends and make decisions e- month about what I want to cut, what I want to change and what I want to continue to build out, you know? So I feel like sometimes just me going into the Facebook page that we have and going into the insights on it, you know, I get so much robust information that again is very helpful. And if I needed to cut that cost of having like per se and gore polls to do that, I think I would still be able to get away with like native analytics, just Mm -hmm. in the platforms kind of like what you were speaking about. But if you're maybe a mid-sized uh, promo company or you know, you're know you a larger supplier doing millions of dollars worth of business each year, if you're trying to build out maybe a role for somebody like yourself or a team further down, what's the next step after we've gone through like native analytics and some of the surface level analytics that you've just mentioned? Like what would be the next step at a mid-sized business and what would be the next step in a larger business after that? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a challenging question. Um, Putting yeah, you so, on the so spot, I, Daniel. <laughs> well, I'm all for it. I knew what I signed up for. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think you kind of look at that, you know, that, that, that next level. I mean, ideally, and, and if you are, you know, a, a midsize company, you know, I think at that point, you're also, like you said, I think working with a slightly larger team, it's not just one person doing it. Um, and so I think one other thing I, I meant to meant to comment on for, for the for the last question was on uh, comments. I, oh. I think like running, um, and I think it's a little better now in social intelligence world. But previously, comment level data, especially in a private community, you know, if you if you have a closed page, a lot of that's off limits. A lot of that we can't even touch. And so if you moderate one of those groups or one of those pages that's all data that you have insight into, right? Yep. And, and comments are unsolicited usually. And it's, it's text, it's authentic, right? It's, it's a way for you to engage with your consumers, but it's also a way to basically hear from the people you're marketing to what they, what they like, what they don't like. And so that's just one other comment I think is, um, you know, one other aspect is unique to running, you know, if you're a social media manager, different than what I would be doing. Right. Uh, but, but it's still equally as important. Like as a researcher, I'm looking for that kind of data. I'm looking for ways to improve my access to comment level data. But if I'm running my own business, then all, all that's pretty much, you know, kind of handed to me on a silver platter. And I think, uh, you know, you start to look at some of these larger tools, they help you manage, you know, if you have multiple brand pages or multiple products, or you have a lot of comments you have to go through, they're, they're equipped to help you respond to higher volume posts and higher volume you know, commentary. Okay. Uh, so, that's, so that's just the last one I'd make there. Uh, but back to your other question, right? What, what, is that, what does that next step look like? And, and what does that scaling look like? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, have, I don't have any experience doing this for, for smaller brands, but I think, you know, when you, when you look at just what social media is, right, you're always trying to improve upon and it kind of goes back to our last point, right? Is that you have some kind of baseline, right? You have a basic idea of at the very onset of how, you know, when you started a campaign or when you started a brand or the Facebook page itself, right? I, ideally, you want that level of engagement and all those metrics we talked about to improve, right? And I think that's what helps build awareness. That's what helps build followership. That's where you start to see those numbers take off. And then, you know, if you're selling products, right? You're just getting that many more people in front of your page for you to say, hey, this is what I do, or this is the product I sell. And with that, you know, how can you drive conversions, right? How can you, you know, if you're a DSC company and you're looking to sell, I don't know, flip-flops, so say you're, say you're a retail company, right? Because we really can't go to malls anymore. 
You see right. a lot of D2C brands in, in the fashion space. Um, you see it in, in a lot of spaces, but I think fashion is just one of those. I think it's been very relatable to us mm -hmm. coming out of COVID because we can't go to malls <laughs> uh, or, or, or like in-store retail right. or physical retail. And so that's where I would say, you know, when you're looking at those different metrics, the idea is to improve upon that because if you're selling a product or a service, right, there's a reason you have that Facebook page. Yep. And so if, you know, maybe you just want to build awareness because it's your brand, maybe you, you know, run a YouTube channel or something like that. Uh, and you just want more people to, to be exposed to your content, right? The goal isn't to sell anything, uh, but if it is, and you are a business that sells something, then ideally, right, you want to drive conversions. You want to drive more people to your site, or if you're selling directly through, you know, something like what, what Facebook and Instagram is, are, because uh, a lot of them have newer capabilities around, and you guys might see this just as, as consumers, right? when you go onto these platforms and you see a product you really like, this didn't always exist, but now you can kind of tap on it. It shows you what the product is. The price would take you right to the site or you could buy it right there. And this is just a, such a streamlined process. It's never been easier to buy things. Through social, and, yeah. Yeah, and like that's where, you know, I think when you think of scaling, whether you're a mid-sized company or a larger company like me uh, or like what GSK is, um, you know, there's, there's these different measures you'd want to look at. But ideally, because you have a baseline understanding of how your brand or your page performs, right? You're supposed to use that as basically, right? A catalyst for, for growth, right? Now that I see this, I see this data, I see where I need to go. I have a better understanding of what drives it, right? Do I get a lot of comments, right? Does that drive people? Is it word of mouth marketing, right? What are these other things that I'm doing that are just building awareness of, of my brand and what I do? And how do I improve upon that? And so that's what I would say for those that are a slightly larger company. Okay. And then, uh, you know, for an enterprise like me, this is actually one of the challenges that, you know, in social intelligence world that I'm trying to build upon too. Uh, you know, if you are looking at all these different brands, right, I'm spread thin, right? I can't possibly dedicate, uh, you know, as much time as I'd like to every single brand. But ideally, right, if I can cut out a lot of the legwork, a lot of like really rudimentary and repetitive tasks that I do, you know, whether it's pulling down reports or filling in data or filling in PowerPoints or, or you know, crunching the same things in Excel, right? What can I do to help automate that? Uh, right? and, okay. and that basically frees up my time again. And this could work, I think, for a mid-sized company too. Uh, and I tried to do this when I was working at an agency. So I, I definitely think it could work. But you're really just cutting out the leg work that it takes to turn a lot of these different deliverables around. And that boils down to insights, right? The insights is what you want to help improve the turnaround time on. And so if it takes me like two or three hours to run a report, right, I'm constantly thinking to myself, how can I cut down the time to make it, I don't know, two hours. And then next thing you know, you're going for one hour. The next thing you know, hey, I could automate this report, turn it around in 10 minutes. Right? And so as a larger company, and when you have other folks that you know, know data science and programming, or maybe there's an internal tool you use or an external tool you license, the idea behind these technologies is that it's supposed to help us as a user. As a social media manager, it would help me cut down on the time it takes to get the data, to pull it in, to find the insights, to know what I'm looking at, and then yeah. communicate it to, to, to my business partners or you know, to, to the brand or whoever, or, or maybe it's just yourself because you're, you're a one man or one woman band. Uh, you know, so, so that's where you know, I would think, I would say that you know, if you're a larger company, maybe it's a different approach. You're just kind of trying to cut out the legwork, but I think very, very specific to whatever your business and what your business needs are when you think about scaling and improving upon what your social media presence is. Okay. So I want to dig into that. So like, and totally check me if I misinterpreted you. So like, <laughs> if you're a, a smaller business, right? Like you're trying to get that benchmark and get into the habit of going through this information, right? And just really sieving through it, looking for the patterns, looking for the way that it affects like your business, your sales, your engagement, the sentiment um, mm -hmm. that your audience feels towards your brand or company, right? And then if we're scaling to like a mid-sized company, you know, if we're trying to build out a team, like we're trying to add a person who's specifically going to do this, we're thinking about mm -hmm. having like an internal tool or use that are licensed and saying an external one is the next step is kind of going for growth, right? Because we have a benchmark, right? We want to have more market share. We want to essentially grow our business. So we might be looking at those same metrics, but we're now really measuring that against like the growth of, correct? 
Okay. That's correct. <laughs> All right. And then <laughs> just because, I was like, there was know, a heart just... rendering pause there for a second, Daniel. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's just, maybe it's just zoom. Uh, no, but then... yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, it's, right. Just, it's just highly specific to the size okay. that you're looking to grow to, right? Like obviously a small mom and pop shop, if you're running your own social media or they hire, you know, a local neighborhood kid who's very tech savvy to run their social media. You see <laughs> this all the time. And, you know, they obviously have different objectives and different needs. They're, right. they're, they're not trying to be Apple, but, you know, you right. look at the folks who are doing this at Apple, they have different objectives too. They also have more cash that they can put behind a lot of these things, a lot of different technologies they can develop in-house, right? So everyone is different, but ideally, right, you want to have, this goes for anything in business intelligence, right? You're trying to collect data so that, you know, on a day-to-day, -day, like on just a regular basis, we're not doing anything. What does our data look like? Right. What does our performance look like? And when it when it swings, whether it's you know a good day or a bad day, right? Performance is up, performance is down. You know whatever metric you're looking at, is that a bad thing? Should I be alarmed? Right? Do we have historical insight because we set up our performance and tracking a year ago? We right. know what it looks like a year ago. Year over year analysis, right? Three months ago analysis, six months ago analysis. There's all these different ways you can cut it now. But I think the importance of having these benchmarks is, is so fundamentally important. And again, for no matter what company you work for, mm -hmm. that that's something I think is so just fundamentally important to keep in mind. Yeah, no. So you're absolutely right. <laughs> okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you for validating me. I appreciate it. Cause <laughs> and then I think the other thing that you mentioned was really important is automation. You know what I mean? Because oh, yeah. I think everybody is trying to work smarter. And I know for myself personally, like keeping up with trends in social media, like I now have a Feedly set up with some of the major blogs or um, companies nice. in regards. Yeah, because like, honestly, like instead of me going to page to page, like flipping through like social media examiner, any new updates just yeah. sent straight to my inbox. So I can go through them myself and learn about like, okay, now Instagram is offering uh, their Facebook, like their version of lives, I should say. Um, yep. They're now doing a room where there's like two other people that you can have instead of a one-to-one -one <laughs> conversation. How's that gonna play into my strategy? So I feel like automation like is really, really important as well. And I think some people get confused where it's like, we're gonna completely delegate this to machine or a piece of software but it's like it's mm. you at the end of the day who's really yes. going through that stuff to make the decision about like what's important like it's not a complete delegation of like okay this machine's going to do it and i'm not going to have my hands in it it's like what can make your workflow smarter so you can make great business decisions and that kind of brings me to my next question is so i know for myself how i work with the insights that I apply to our social media strategy and how that works with me working with the different departments internally, like at ASI, but mm -hmm. for a smaller business, you know, you're going through Facebook insights, you've spent money on this tool, you've maybe hired a contractor, like you have all this information in front of you. How are we applying it to business decisions in like a way that's actionable? Is there does it really, you know, vary on the business or are there some maybe key things, one or two things people should immediately look for? Yeah, well, I mean, I think- Another curveball, the... Daniel. No, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm prepared for pretty much all of it. I, I, get, I get asked a lot of questions and, and to be honest, sometimes I don't always know the answers. That's, I think, so that, that's, a, that's a fantastic point to make too. Social media is an emerging field. I mean, it, People will argue that it's established, but it's it's so it con it's constantly evolving. It's volatile. I, <laughs> I still consider it emerging. I think there's so many things that we don't understand, and maybe I'm speaking from social intelligence world because there's definitely a lot of things that that aren't understood and that can be improved. Um, you know, but I, I think you know there's a lot of just different things within you know, social media that you would look for when you're making business decisions, right? And, and, and you know, I've, <laughs> I don't want to sound like a broken record, but, you know, a lot of the different metrics you look at, right, that's what helps you determine, hey, am I going to go with copy and campaign A? Yeah. Am I going to go with cam campaign B, right? This is a hypothesis test, right? And for a lot of small brands, when you're just starting out, you don't have the answers, Yep. right? And that's, and I'll, I'll tell you here, GSK doesn't always have the answers too, right? In my role, I don't always have the answers. And so that's an important thing too. Don't be afraid if you don't know all the answers or that if you're hesitant to make a decision. Right. But I will give you some insight into how you can make a, a better or more informed decision. And that's really to trust the data. If I, if I, if I had to put that in, in one word, 
That's what I would say. And that's what I follow in my day to day. So when I'm looking at, we'll use the example I just said, if you're running a campaign, right, let, let's say you get to the point where you do your own creative or you take your own pictures, right? And you're, you know, you're really heavily involved on Instagram yep. and Facebook or, 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 you know, a lot of folks are spread across all the big social media platforms and that's fine. Um, you know, everyone kind of has a different strategy and take and all these different platforms are different. They're all social media, but they're different. And so depending on your company, maybe you're only on Facebook, maybe you're only on Instagram, maybe you even have a LinkedIn, some small companies are on LinkedIn, uh, which I love. Um, but when you think about, okay, well, I need to make a decision. I'm putting money behind, let's say three paid media campaigns. And, you know, I want to see, well, which one makes the most sense. I love the copy, right? At this point, you have someone that's developing it, or if you have a social media manager, they're responsible for the content creation, right? They have to go out and make that. And that's, that's not my job, but someone is doing that and they're looking at, okay, well, this is campaign A, this is campaign B, this is campaign C. I think they're all great, right? I'm a business owner. I think, <laughs> I think all my pictures are great, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, obviously I, I don't want to put money into all of them because that could be really expensive. And if there's yeah. two that are really underperforming, maybe I turn them off or maybe there's something I can learn from it because I don't, I don't know what to expect, right? So I'm going to go out, I'm going to run them and then I'm going to come back to the data. Right. I'm going to look at the data and it's going to tell me, okay, going back to some of the you know, core cost pers, right? If, if my ratios are more favorable, right, and I'm getting more engagements or more impressions for the amount of money that I'm putting in, right? When I look across those three campaigns, one's going to be more profitable. One's going to be better. And what does that tell me? Right? Is it resonating better? Is there something about this copy? Maybe I put, uh, you know, this one's a picture of you know, me and my product. This other one that's not performing well is just some, it's just the product, right? Do people want to see me because I'm the face of the business owner? Is that, is that what's getting more engagement, right? So you, when you're running the program, you very much have, have oversight of and ownership of what it should be and what those decisions are. But the data is going to tell you which one's performing better and which one you should intuitively put more money behind or at least stop money behind the other ones. Or maybe you decide, you know, hey, you know, I've got a little extra money that I carried over from last month. Let me run this, these three copies, or maybe I'll bring it down to two and I'll run this for another month. Maybe it was just a bad month for, for, the, for campaign B, right? Maybe it comes back, but you're tracking all this, right? All this data is captured and that's what would help me make a decision when I think about making decisions based off of this data and based off of what you're looking at in social media. Because like, just like we talked about, right? We get all this data. Right. And sometimes it's hard to know what to look at and what to make decisions yeah. off of. But again, if you know your brand, you, you know your objective, right? Are you trying to build awareness or, you're, or are you a big company and you're trying to, you know, drive basically sales. drive, right, drive sales, right? At a larger scale, you're, both, both professionals are going to look at the same thing, but you just have to have a different, uh, you know, understanding and appreciation for, uh, you know, what your company is and the scale and size of your company, because you're going to be looking at different things. But at the end of the day, right, that's where I think a lot of what social media is, is hypothesis testing, right, is, is what I'm doing on social media good? Is it bad? It might have been good a year ago, might not be good today. And so that's just, I think, a constant challenge, you know, Melissa, that, that those of us in social media face, no matter what professional, you know, job that you're in under the social media umbrella. But I think one thing that's become really clear is that data doesn't lie. You know, and when you, when you look at the data, it'll pretty much lean you and nudge you towards the right decision. And that's the advice I would provide. And I love that. I love that so much because I think that that's going to be a comfort to a lot of people who listen to this episode is what I often encounter are questions about just being overwhelmed as to where to start. Yeah. I think the way that you've broken it down is comforting because it's kind of like, you know, you are just testing, the data is not going to lie. And as you, as like a business owner, like you have the independence to ask the questions that you want answered, right? Like what exactly. you want to know, uh, you know, could be completely different than your competitor. Like what's most important to you moving forward as a business owner? And what do you want to learn more about like your audience, your product? And it's like, you have all this information accessible to you. So it's like, I don't know, to me, and it's probably because this is my full-time job as social media, that's <laughs> exciting. You know what I mean? Like, I love yeah. that stuff. I think it's super cool. And I feel like, you know, 
we got to flip kind of like the script as business owners is instead of approaching it from uh, this, this lens of like, oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed. There's so much, where do I start? It's more like, isn't this awesome? I have all this data and insight that I can use to make better business decisions so I can reach the right customers. I can increase sales. I can connect with the right people and insert myself into topical conversations that are relevant mm. to the right audience. Like what are some things that I want to ask to see if there's any validity behind them? So I think that's really, really cool. Um, the last thing that I wanted to end on was specifically, how do you get buy-in? Like, I'm sure that you've had moments in your career where people are like, oh, you know, I just, I've spent all this money on this campaign. We're going to launch it. I don't care about the other campaign that we did <laughs> in regards to the data to it. I just want to <laughs> do it. Right. So like having that bridge of like, you know, there's information that we can use to make, like we keep saying, you know, broken record to make better business decisions about how we spend our marketing uh, yep. and uh, for the year. So like for you, how are you getting that like, you know, executive buy-in or even from other members of your team? Yeah, this is a very popular question. This was anything but a curveball. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think, <laughs> and I'll speak from social media in general. I'll, I'll address this from, from two yeah. different, uh, different angles. But um, yeah, I mean, I think buy-in is just one of those things that, you know, I think also <laughs> varies by company. Yeah. Companies have different, different levels of maturity, of, of like digital maturity and digital understanding and education, yeah. right? And I've seen a lot of companies, um, you know, that have just been around a long time. It takes a, it, it takes a long time to migrate systems and to become more digitally driven and to hire, you know, the next generation of employees that are tech savvy, you know, digital natives. Yeah. You know, and so I think there's a lot of different factors that go into why buy-in would be harder at some companies than others. Yep. But, you know, speaking for us here at GSK, you know, I think that's become very, very clear over the last, you know, couple of years that I've been with the company is that this is meant to be, you know, kind of one of the, you know, the, the core pillars of what this company is, is to be, you know, data-driven, right? We want to basically with open arms embrace and, you know, welcome technology because that's the way of the future, right? And, and when you look at, that's a very, very broad statement, but when you look at social media more specifically, there's, there's just so much potential for it. It's, it's a technology that everyone can relate to. Even if you're not on social media, you've heard of social media yeah. and you know what these platforms are. So it's just, it's like one of those things it's, it's hard to turn a blind eye to it. And so when I think of like, you know, <laughs> buy-in, when I first came here, I've, I've told a longer version of the story before, but basically it's like, I didn't have any understanding of what the buy-in was, right? Do I need to fight for my life when I'm here? Yeah. Right? <laughs> like I didn't understand what the nature and, and what level of maturity we were digitally, but I found that like, I mean, I was very, very defensive. Right. And I was like, you know, we need to have this. This, this is, this is fantastic. This is what I do. But, you know, I found that after having a lot of conversations with my boss that, you know, <laughs> it's funny. She used to always just like calm me down because she would tell me there is buying for this. And it became a lot more apparent to me that, you know, even if people don't understand like social media analytics, mm -hmm. they understand the potential for social media in general. So they don't have to understand all the crazy technical things that I know, but you know, they understand that, hey, our consumers, the most, one of the most important, if not the most important element of our business are online. They talk yep. about things. They talk about our brand. We need to be able to track that. We need to be able to speak to them and be on the front lines where they are, because that's the only way we're going to win and compete, right? And that is a huge differentiator for us. A lot of our competitors do it, you know, so, so it's not like we're, uh, you know, <laughs> doing anything groundbreaking, uh, but you know, I think that's where, you know, you start to look at, you know, how are we competitive over our competitors, right? Because we had the buy-in, right? Pe people wanted to do social media. They wanted to do social listening. They wanted to improve the way that we run our handles, right? As these big brands that have been around for 20, 30 years, but didn't always have a social media yeah. or a presence because there was no social media. So it's a brand new challenge and opportunity. And I think, you know, larger corporations. It just took them a little longer to basically introduce that or introduce a role like mine or just to better learn the technologies that are out there. Whereas, you know, you look at smaller companies, maybe, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you're looking to create some kind of social listening or, or service, 
right? So those tools already exist. And the buy-in is really easy because maybe you only have to convince, you know, the one or two managing partners you have versus influencing 300 stakeholders or maybe, you know, <laughs> yeah. whoever is up your management chain. Um, you know, so it's, so it's, I think it's slightly different. And you look at companies that are, you know, take agencies, for example. I think agencies, our expectation, just being a client, is that agencies are always at the forefront of what, you know, emerging technologies are and how it benefits and we can use them as clients. Yeah. That's what I've always seen. And, you know, I feel like that's very much where, like, I look to them and I say, you know, I feel like for this kind of stuff, <laughs> the buy-in is really easy, right? Because they understand the potential for this and then they have to go sell it to clients like us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, helpful for us to have a position like myself where, you know, I'm going, yes, you know, like, like the aha moment for the business and saying, this is great. You obviously bring a service and expertise. You have other technologies you can bring into the fold. Right. So I think that's a different example of where buying, I think, is a lot easier. Uh, and when you're working at a smaller scale, right, or with a smaller agency. Um, but then again, you know, just to answer it from the other side of the coin is that, you know, buying can be really difficult to companies where, you know, there just hasn't been a proven RRI or sometimes, you know, I think it really just boils down to, um, you know, folks don't know enough about the technology. They don't see the potential. Yep. I feel like, you know, that's an assumption we make just being in the field is that, hey, why doesn't everyone appreciate social media? And some, right. the, reality, really the reality is, <laughs> exactly, the reality is some people don't, right? right? And, sure. and that's, that's a mistake. It is a big mistake. And that's where you start to see companies fall behind in the, uh, in the tech race and then just within whatever business they compete in. So I think that's where, um, you know, buying might just be difficult because people aren't open to new ideas and that people want to do it the way we've always done it. Yeah. Now, so that's, that's a reality, you know? And so I would say, you know, big companies are leaning into this. Small companies are leaning into this. Mid-sized companies are leaning into this, but there are also <laughs> companies that aren't for all of those three categories. So, you know, I think buying is just one of those things that varies, but based on everything we talked about today, it's, it's data. It's a wealth of information about, you know, your audience or your consumers, or if you're in healthcare, maybe your patient audience, there's just so many, so many people out there, you know, Facebook, I, I don't know, what do they have, like 2 billion users or something like that? Something crazy. Twitter, Twitter is like 350 million, right? More and more people are going to be on these platforms. And it just doesn't make any sense for companies to not be here because they're missing out, right? That's the competitive advantage you're trying to build is to be on social, to get insights quicker, to look at, you know, different metrics and be able to make decisions off of that. Again, no matter what size company you are. So, so that's what I would say on buying. Love it. I love it. That's like so good. So good. And I think also too, you know, again, like to boil it down, like if you are having trouble getting that buy-in or like you said, it hasn't been proven, like bringing it back to the consumer, you know, I think that's kind of like the common, uh, the commonality between different departments and companies. It's like, they might not necessarily understand where you're coming from or your field, you know, but I feel like sometimes when I've worked at previous companies where I've had like that struggle where people are like, why are we expanding to another page? You know, why are we trying to, you know, allocate our time to make this content, you know, where we could put it towards other things for so, and I'm like, the reason is our consumers, A, B, and C. And I feel like that was always the way that I got by and is people are like, okay, I understand why you're doing this because you're bringing it back to how we're trying to serve or help somebody and how that helps us with our audience and how that helps us like expand our market. Like, so yep. bringing it back to the consumer is kind of like that talking piece between different professionals, I think, you know, helps, at least it's helped in my career. But I always like to end on a fun question. So if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why, Daniel? <laughs> This also wasn't a curveball, but this is something I feel like I always answer a little differently. Uh, and sometimes like what I'll do, uh-huh. listen, not to hijack the podcast here, but uh, like I'll basically do one from like a, like a true superpower format and, and like maybe something a little more practical. Like uh, I'll give you an example. So I wish I could fly. Yeah. I think like that's just one of those things that, yeah. I don't know, I feel like, like you would be limitless, right? And I think that's, that's almost like an analogy for what I would want my life to be is to be limitless and there's no boundaries. Yeah. And, you know, I know that probably sounds a little too philosophical <laughs> because it's, it's, it's really more cool than anything, <laughs> but uh, you know, that, that's what I would say for like a true superpower. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But then when I think of something that's maybe a little more practical that would, that would help me on a day-to-day, even though flying would help me on a day-to-day, um, you know, I think it, w- it would definitely be just, just better time management. And, you know, I, I would say this for, for a couple of reasons. Um, one, I think you're just more productive and I think you just get better fulfillment and joy on a day-to-day basis. And I think that just leads to a happier life, just generally speaking. You know, I think it's so easy to kind of get consumed by your job and by your role and social media itself, right? I think it's just, I think social media is toxic. I, I think it's terrible what it is, but there's obviously so much importance for us as a business, but as a consumer, we need to be very transparent and open as social media professionals that, you know, social media isn't all good. A lot of bad things happen on social media. A lot of bad things come from social media. And so I think that has placed a lot of stress on a lot of people, especially in light of COVID. Yeah. So that's where I would just say, if I had a true superpower, it would be the ability to just better manage my time. So I'm not completely overwhelmed and consumed by what's going on on social media, what's going on offline. I think that is just so fundamentally important and a really important habit that anyone can build and should build because, you know, at the end of the day, our our careers and social media isn't everything. And that's just one of those things that, you know, I've I've learned over the last few years and that I wish I had a superpower that just, you know, made me good at time management, made me good at turning off my phone. And it's really, really hard to do. Yeah. And and that's why I would pick that in addition to being able to fly. So to play off that, because I was very poetic, I need a clone. Yeah, exactly. I feel you, right? Like it would be somebody who could like, yeah, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like you know, that could help me with, you know, like I'll have my hour that I lost scrolling on TikTok, like back because the other person will be doing work and I can live like, you know, that double dip life where I get the, you know, have my cake and, and, and eat it too. So, <laughs> but <laughs> Well, thank you so much for your time, Daniel. This was a joy speaking with you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. 